podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. of right in the Gary Kelly's podcast can't believe we're at 10 already once again we've got a cracker of a show lined up for you and the best thing about it is it's completely free so joining me today on our panel we've got Matt, Kayleigh and Dan how are you doing guys? Good thank you. How are you doing? Very good thank you. So on today's show we're going to take a look back at a frustrating Friday night performance against West Ham we've got an under 23s update from Chris we're going to take a look ahead to the January transfer window and we have a former Kaiser Chief joining us later, so let's crack on. So Leeds took on West Ham in this weekend's Friday night match. First time under the new floodlights, which I don't know about you guys, but to me they look insanely bright. Um, despite taking an early lead through a retaken click penalty, it ended in a 2-1 defeat for Leeds. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on the performance and the result? Um... <sighs> I don't know. I th- that game frustrated me, really. I think it was one of the first times this season where um, we just didn't really look in the game, to be honest. Um, the energy levels weren't as high. We didn't create much. I thought West Ham could have scored a lot more than what they did. Um, and then, obviously, the two set-piece goals just made me want to tear my hair out. It was um, probably first time for a while where I think, we, you know, I've watched the game with us and I thought, you know, we're going to lose this um, in about, you know, midway through the second half. And obviously we did. And it just, ever when West Ham got their second, it just, it looked like they were going to be the ones to pull away and score more. So, yeah, a bit of a disappointing game, that one. Um, I don't know what everyone else thought, but I, I, I just think we struggled quite a lot, to be honest. It was such a promising start as well with, with Bamford's penalty um, mm. being brought down by Fabianski and, Obviously, VAR, we all absolutely love VAR now, where we do it at the moment. Um, but even pre-game, there was a lot of chatter about how dangerous West Ham are from set pieces. I think the third in the league in, in uh, chances created and converted into goals as well this season. And I think we're, we're what, top of the league for, for conceding them as well. So it was, I think the bookies stopped taking bets on a on a set-piece goal for West Ham, but there was all the chatter before as well about the height of the teams, and obviously uh, Suchek is, what, six foot eight or something daft like that, to Cooper at six mm. foot one. I think Laurenti is our second uh, tallest uh, player as well at six foot one. So, yeah, we have got a very, very uh, short team, and obviously set-pieces is absolutely dire so far this season in the Premier League, and... It was frustrating because you kind of, like I said at the start, the writing was on the wall pre-game and it was just frustrating to to kind of lose the game by two goals and two set pieces as well. Yeah, I've got to agree with what you've said. I'd say probably even including both our 4-1 defeats, I felt Friday night was the worst I've seen us play in the Prem so far. And yeah, taking our tallest player off halfway through the match and 
the substitutions wasn't very good on Friday night, I felt. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't think Harrison and Costa gave too much. And sometimes I think Cooper Nalowski can be a bit... Well, especially in that match on Friday night, I felt that like they were a bit out of the depth almost. I went into that match feeling quite confident. I generally thought we could have got at least a point from that. And, yeah, I almost felt a bit out done by, but we just didn't perform at all. I felt we played quite poorly. I thought, especially... Parts of the match were boring as well for both teams. Just it wasn't the leads we've been used to seeing play for. It's not the leads that we've been used to seeing play week in, week out, even including the defeats we've had this season. I just felt that was a sluggish, slow match from us. You've mentioned sluggish there. That's one thing, one thing I was going to pick up on is that even from the off, like the tempo seemed a lot slower. The likes of Click and Dallas, who you'd usually expect to be the ones kind of hounding the players down and keeping that tempo up, they seemed yard off the pace. Do you think it's a confidence thing? Do you think it's kind of the honeymoon period of the Premier League is over and the reality of how demanding the league is is starting to take its toll on our fitness, which is something we've kind of defended because we've seen for two years that they can keep that tempo up. But for whatever reason, something's just not quite there at the minute. I think we almost look tired and a bit yep, sluggish again. Um, I felt every time we were attacking, I didn't really feel confident we were going to score. Every opportunity we had, we just looked slow. And again, our attacking players didn't really contribute much. The only goal we did get was from a penalty and that we had to retake twice. And yeah, I think looking at teams like West Ham, I might assume we would have picked something up from that game. Yeah, I think I think, I think it probably is to do um, with the fitness levels of the Premier League as well. I think you are getting to the standard now where teams are going to be able to keep up with us whilst in the championship they couldn't I think it would I think we're still a fit team but I don't know I think there were a couple of players like you said Vic who did look like they were struggling towards the end I think Click I I don't think he can play him completely although over the Christmas period he needs some help in there such a demanding position to play and I think bringing Shackleton back into the mix is good I think his energy levels in the middle of the park will help us you look at how he did in the Villa game, I think, which is probably our last, you know, really, really, you know, complete performance. Um, and I, th- I think that will help us long term. But I think it's it's just going to be more difficult, isn't it? You know, you look at, you look ahead to Newcastle now as well, another solid team um, who are going to be difficult to break down. And, we, you know, we can't gift teams goals from set pieces. Um, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but... Do, I don't know how we're going to improve that, to be honest. Like, looking at, you know, if Dallas is on Suchet, then we ain't got a chance, have we? You know, and um, then our best header of the ball, Cooper, he's lost his man. You know, it's unforgivable mistakes, really. I think, yeah, when you look at our performances against the likes of Villa and Everton, we just look like a completely different team on Friday night. It's, yeah, the worst I've seen us play this season. That's including that both our defeats to Palace and Leicester. Every long ball we took just seemed to go out. Every attacking opportunity we seemed to have just didn't seem to go anywhere. Um, and, yeah, the last two weeks, we've just been... I mean, getting outplayed by Chelsea, fair enough, but getting outplayed by West Ham, just, yeah, again, just a completely different team, it felt like, on Friday night. What do you think the issue for set-pieces is for us because obviously when it comes to kind of defending from live play we seem to be able to hold our own when it comes to you know clearing long balls or whatever it is but at both ends of the pitch we just seem unable to effectively play against a set piece Um, and 
obviously the height is an issue but is it something that we're obviously not practicing enough in training or not taking seriously enough in training but you look when we were I'd say good at defending set pieces we had a man free and it was usually Jansen wasn't it who would just said go out and attack the ball and he'd win it probably eight and nine times out of ten and he'd clear it and I don't know if we just need that person now. We need someone free, whether it is Cooper, because the man marking doesn't work. Because if it's Dallas against, obviously, their giant of a centre-back, all Dallas can do is what he did there and just try and make the header difficult for him. It's almost like we're resigned to, if they put a good ball into the box, then you've just got to try and put him off and hope he doesn't score. That's what it seems like to me. Um, I'd rather have Cooper free and just tell him to... Throw yourself at the ball and just win it if you can. Obviously, he might not be as good as Janssen at that, maybe not. But I just think we need to. There needs to be a different approach because at the minute it's just too easy um, for teams to score and attack with us from set pieces. Is that is that you jumping on the bring Pontus home bandwagon, Dan? <laughs> might be. Yeah. Do we need to if put it means we're more solid. Do we need yeah. Pontus Claxton into this now? You know, it seems to be. <laughs> So many fans now are wanting Pontus back. It just reminds me of the old bring Alan Smith back and bring, <laughs> you know, Danny Pugh back. And I think, that was your I think you know, it's just going not on. anyone else's, but <laughs> if, if, if you're wanting that player to go and just to tap the ball and just give all, wait till Berardi's back in, in January, yeah. February. That's your player, mate. That's your player. Mm. Yeah, missing oh, him, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. Just anyone that can just attack the ball because at the minute, no one. It it we just I don't think we won a bloody header that game, and we're not going to win headers against tall teams. I think there's you know there's not much we can do, um, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> just hopefully try something different because it's going to be a problem. Could be a problem against Newcastle. I was just going to say, speaking of winning winning headers, if Rodrigo would have converted that 90th minute chance, we won't be talking about any any of this yeah, now. It'd all be a decent scrappy draw against an established Premier League team on a Friday night at Ellen Road under massively bright floodlights and terrible weather. We'd, <laughs> we'd take that. And if Rodrigo would have, would have buried that 90th minute chance because he got in there between the defenders, he connected it, but it was straight at Fabianski. Left, right, you know, bottom corner. We won't be having this discussion right now. And then fine margins is a difference between success and failure in this Premier League. We've kind of touched on, you know, Alioski and Harrison struggling a little bit on that left-hand side. Bielsa obviously changed that at half-time, so he recognised it as well. And we've kind of discussed the left-back issue previously, but we're not seeing the best of Jack Harrison at the moment, are we? Again, is this a confidence thing or is there an aspect of him and Alioski almost getting in each other's way a little bit because Alioski does try to push so high up? I don't think Jack's been the same since his girlfriend came back to the UK. Um, he seems to be a bit be a bit distracted, <laughs> I've noticed. Uh, ever since he, I think they went for a trip to York and he was buzzing that she was back. Performances have slipped ever since. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think we're crying out for a, a natural left back. Dallas is amazing there, absolutely he is. And a, he's, he's literally missed the utility for, for us now, which is great to see. I prefer him at left back. But yeah, you're right. We we probably do need a more natural, natural left back. I don't know if there's any names out there you can suggest. There's not many, is there? Um, well, I think. Well, why isn't Dallas playing there? Is the question that I'm saying. It's like Alioski had a decent game one time when he stepped in there, but mm-hmm. you know I think he's living a bit of a charmed life there now, isn't he? Um, 
surely the move has to be to get Dallas back because him and Harrison were working up a good partnership down there. And I just feel like it's probably not a coincidence that Harrison's form might have dipped because of that. And I, I don't think Dallas is as effective in the middle anyway. I don't think he's a central midfielder. I think he does a good job there, for you know, but it's not. It don't bring out the best of him. Um, I think for me, I'd be getting, you know, potentially Shackleton in there, as I've already mentioned, and just get get that def- um, get um, sorry Dallas back to the left where he's effective, and hopefully that will help with Harrison because I agree, Costa off the bench was absolutely appalling. Actually, it's, um, one of the worst cameos I've seen for a while. That, um, but Harrison didn't. Um, wasn't great in the first half either. So, you know, it was a no-win change, that really. Now, who are we to question the Messiah, I suppose? But Bamford off for Roberts was our final change on Friday with Pablo still on the bench, and that was questioned by a lot of fans. What do you guys think Bielsa was thinking with that change? I don't want to ever go against what he does or says, but I feel personally that wasn't the right choice to make. I would have brought Pablo on. He's proven that he can, even in the Premier League, make an impact, even if it's for 20 minutes or even a shorter period of time. I just felt we needed that. I mean, Roberts is a striker, but I just don't feel like he brings the same attacking force that Pablo does when he comes on the pitch. I was screaming for him to come on for about the 60th minute. And I just don't really know what's happened there. I just don't know why he's not getting game times. I know he was injured a few weeks ago. But yeah, I felt that was the wrong choice completely. I would have brought Hernandez on. I felt he would have brought a more attacking road, would have created more chances. Oh, I would have rather have kept Bamford on than put Roberts on. You've got to look at the front four as well. I think that's probably our strongest front four that started against West Ham as well. And you think you've got Bamford, Rodrigo starting as well. You've got Rafinha and Harrison. They're probably our best four attacking outlets out there for the for the club at the moment. I think when Roberts is impressed in the under twenty threes, hasn't he? The last few weeks, obviously Chris has been on and 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 mentioned Tyler Robertson. Yeah, obviously he thought it was a better outlet for, for us. In, yeah, he didn't really offer much today, unfortunately, when he came in. Same as Costa, another player that's impressed at the under-23s. And I think, you know, you I guess when these players get given this chance, they've got to take it, haven't they? But I think the whole team looked lethargic and beaten early doors, didn't they, um, during the West Ham game. And that probably reflected with the, the substitutions. But I think if there's any positives to take... I think Dan's mentioned that the return of Shackleton is great to see six weeks out back in the team. And, and obviously Meslier, again, world-class or proving to be world-class with some absolutely outstanding saves again. And he was so unlucky for the for the first goal. I think Rob Green was in the, as uh, a, a pundit, wasn't he? And even he was saying how unlucky he was, you know, just wasn't strong enough on his on his feet and hence fell behind, behind the, the line. The only problem is if your goalkeeper keeps on having to make that amount of saves in every game, then the problem obviously is coming from further forward in the pitch, isn't it? Whether it's the press isn't working as well or the midfield. Because, you know, for me, I think it's stemming from the midfield. I don't think the midfield's been as good in the last few games, which in in turn is putting more pressure on the defence. And, you know, it takes its toll. And then obviously Meslier's um, workload gets higher. But yeah, I agree. He had a, he had a great game. Um, I just hope he can have a quiet game once and we can get a clean sheet again. Yeah, that's what we need. You're right. I think when we're talking about how good the goalkeeper is, then yeah, it's worrying how many, how much action he's getting. You look at Mendy at Chelsea. Is it something ridiculous? Of oh, before uh, the game last night, was it something like eight clean sheets in twelve games? 
hardly ever mentioned. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all he did against us was pick the ball out and it actually didn't do anything that game, yeah. ever, did it? But, so. Yeah, and I think with Mesley, we're just obviously raving about him and yeah, you're right. He kind of that, you know, doesn't do anything for 89 minutes and then puffs off a world-class serve in the last minute. That's that's what you want him to do, really, don't you? But, yeah, I think you talk about as midfield is a, a Rodrigo de Paul hole there that we needed to fill, perhaps, as rumours. Potentially, it could be a done deal in January. We're going to go back for a player like him or is it someone like Adam Forshaw, Kayleigh, that we need to, to kind of get back <laughs> in there, you know? I'm waiting for him to come back. I don't want to think when he comes back, it will be the much needed change our team needs. It's just he got injured a week ago, a year ago. So, And every week it just seems to be he's still injured. So, Not to dwell on him, but do we think he's really going to be up to Premier League standard when he comes back? Because no. he's not played for so long. No. He's not going to play the this season, is he? <laughs> I don't think he'll come back the same player. Not I don't think us. he's out for that long. I, I don't think he take a year out and ever come back same player I mean what is he 28 now I feel like he's been out for about three years yeah, it feels Everton, so long doesn't it Everton's Andre Gomez like snapped his leg in about 28 <laughs> places about five months after Forshaw and he's I think he's just clocked up his 50th Premier League appearance in a row now has he well my first article for right in the very yeah. was about how good Adam Forshaw is and he got yeah. injured like a week later <laughs> he jinxed yeah. him Let's push yeah. that back down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have it on the backlog again. <laughs> so we put it out on social media just to see what um, you guys were thinking. Some fan reaction comments for you. Um, Johnny says, always seem to look exposed on the counter-attack, but set pieces. Bielsa hasn't been remotely interested in them for two years and we've got away with it. We evidently won't in the Premier League. CJ Slater says we got undone by two dodgy set pieces. We had 65% possession against a team fifth in the league and four points off the top. We need to use that possession a bit quicker and sharper. He's sure Bielsa will get it right soon. Forget about it and look forward to Newcastle. Adam Mitchell says it's too easy to defend against us. No one runs beyond the last man. Paddy did it once. We won a penalty. Harrison, Costa, Alioski, all poor. Rodrigo also. Needless from Harrison and Costa for the set pieces that led to goals. Work to do and quickly required. And Andrew Thornton simply says, at least we have a good keeper. What are you guys thinking about those comments? I agree. Um, in terms of um, the runs, I think there's not been as much going forward, I think. Um, you look, even the goal that we got through Bamford's run, it came through a mistake, really. Um, Haller gave the ball away, didn't it? And it left them exposed. And fortunately, we, you know, Bamford was straight onto it, nailed on pen. Um, but I think with the possession, the last two games against Chelsea and um, West Ham, obviously Chelsea's a bit forgivable, but um, against West Ham we had a lot of the ball, but I don't think we did much with it really. Um, so it's all you know, it's it's all right saying we had a lot of possession, but I think it was one of those games where we didn't look threatening with it. You know, a lot of it was passing it around the back, and then it was just playing a long ball up, which you know Bonner and Balbuena just swallowed up. So yeah, I think we need to be a bit more clever on the ball and just go back to basics, go back to what we were good at, and I think. Um, you know, it's not time to panic yet, but I think, you know, that game was a bit of an eye-opener for us and it proves, you know, how difficult this league is. So the goalkeeper comment, uh, yeah, I have to agree. I think we are probably trending a bit too much on our goalkeeper at the moment. We've even got to look at teams like Sheffield United, whose evidence that last year, clearly Dean Henderson was their best player because they're completely struggling this year. And yeah, I feel like we need to get more stronger in our defence because we're defending way too much in Mesley at the moment. And 
just seems to be that we pass the ball about a lot. We have a lot of possession. We pass the ball nice, but every time we attack, we pass sideways. And then every time we're passing the ball defensively, the team just line up to get a counter-attack. So, yeah, I have to agree with the fan comments completely. I was just going to say, because I think the lack of form of the wingers probably is, um, does link to us not looking as good going forward, obviously, because so much of our play comes down the wings from full-backs, overlapping full-backs to the wingers. I just feel like if they're not at it, it's so difficult for us to create chances because we don't play through the middle that much, really. Obviously, Click is very instrumental in what we do, but it's usually him getting into that space and finding other people, usually the wingers in space. So um, I think we need, basically, we need to go, we need the wingers to find some form, basically, um, because if not, I think we're going to struggle it's a major part of our play, which is one reason why I'd like Dallas back at left back. And um, But I've already been on about that, so <laughs> we'll let that one go. There's almost that additional pressure on ourselves now that, you know, those first few games, plan A, whether it worked or it didn't, it was the honeymoon period. There was less pressure on us because people didn't have a certain expectation. We then had the whole Leeds and my second team thing because it was so exciting. You can't do that every single game. You can't perform to that that intensity and that expectation week in week out unfortunately unless you spend a hell of a lot more money than we have available so I think there is also potentially a bit of a mentality aspect in that the players are now in the thick of it you know this is the Premier League now the excitement of being new to the league is worn off and this is the reality of what they have to do week in week out oh we have settled into the league now you're right definitely the honeymoon period is over I think we just need to just remember as well that we're not here to get Champions League qualification. We never were. And we just need to calm, well, I say we, a proportion of the fan base just needs to calm down slightly. You know, we had Andrew Dalton on last week and he, he was saying the same. There's a lot of kind of knee-jerk reaction and panicking after, you know, you know, we've had six defeats now this season. And I guess we've just been so fortunate the last couple of years where a defeat has been a rarity and we've gone off and been on a fantastic run to back it up and where this is kind of a, a great 3-0 winner away at Villa uh, and then obviously you lose 4-1 to Palace and, and Leicester and it's that it's just finding that balance and just setting that expectation and you know you've got to look around and I, I try to you know is work out why there is this demand on us to, to obviously perform every week and, and it probably is the amount of praise we've had uh, from pundits and fans alike, saying Leeds are my second team, great team to lead, to watch a Leeds. Obviously, the amount of money we've spent as well, we've not spent that amount of money in, in, in over 16 years. And it, I guess it all adds up to that pressure where we're expected to do better than, than where we are. And I think we talked earlier, but we talked before the pod on this, but 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, even just stay up is the aim. That is the absolute aim this season. And then build on to next and set them expectations and, and, and move on. But I think everyone just needs to calm down slightly and, and think that we're not going to win the league. We're not going to get Champions League and we're not going to get Europa League unless we have an amazing FA Cup run, which I think we're overdue a, a cup run anyway <laughs> myself. So I'd love one. Yeah, I think we've been dragged back to earth a bit, haven't we, the last few weeks? I think the first few matches, yeah, it was all a bit on cloud nine. Obviously, got that lot of meat speculation behind us and almost felt like we gained. 10,000 more new fans. And yeah, I think we've had a bit of a reality check now. Yeah, this is a Premier League. It's a lot difficult. And the last league I've been in for 16 years. And as we said during the first podcast, I'd happily take 17th place. Just the focus is just to stay up, 
get the wins that we needed um yeah be in the premier league next season i think one thing that's going to be massive for us as well is getting fans back into the ground because i don't know about any of you lot, but watching some of the games now with even just having 2,000 fans in, it seems to be making a difference. You know, there's a bit of noise, a bit of encouragement. I was just watching Fulham play Liverpool, and Fulham actually played really well, and, like, the fans got behind them, nearly got the three points on that one. I just think, with our home form, it's pretty bang average at the minute as well. One win so far. Um, you know, we need... It, I think it'd be great to get some fans back in and just really help us. That could have been the difference against West Ham. You know, just to get us going a little bit and drive us forward. Um, you know, uh, I can't say it would definitely have done something, but I don't think it's a coincidence now that we're struggling at home quite a bit. I think we are feeling the effects of not having the fans there now. We definitely could have used them on Friday. I think when it was almost around the hour mark, we were kind of in a bit of a lull. We could definitely have done with the crowd getting behind us at that point. But you only have to look at the stats since the crowds have been back. I think before today of the five games that had been played, it was four home wins. And then obviously today we've seen um, Southampton win at home, Crystal Palace come back for a draw against Spurs, and then, like you say, Fulham um, managed to hold on for a draw against Liverpool. So, Everton, Everton yeah. last night as well. Yeah. yeah. I just want to get back and shout, you shit bastard! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, all those dodgy chants, we need to get them back, don't we? <laughs> Need to scream at the ref or something. Scream at VAR. That'll be the new one, won't it? So uh, it's going to smash the monitor up or something. Anything. Get us back in that ground. Here's where you used to get your season ticket and throw it at the manager's edge. You just run past the VAR screen and you launch your season ticket at that now, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> or throw a turnip at it. Someone threw a turnip at Steve Bruce, didn't they? Throw it at the VAR. <laughs> <laughs> my PE teacher once um, was on match of the day because he was a Sunderland fan at the time and I think it was just as they were like turning to shit and he ran up to the manager at the time and threw his season ticket at him I, rem- I remember that, that was a big story yeah. that wasn't Mr it? Curry he ran, yeah, he ran straight <laughs> on and threw it right in his face didn't he? Yeah. it was going to be the first one that throws it at the VAR screen though that'll be the big quiz question won't it? <laughs> probably a Leeds fan yeah <laughs> 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 If you're struggling for present ideas this Christmas for your mates and your family, the Terrace have got you covered. To make it even better, you can get a discount on all your Leeds merch by using the code RITGK15 when you get to the checkout on theterracestore.com. Don't forget to drop us a tweet and let us know what you ordered. So Leeds under-23s team have been in action today against Aston Villa in the Premier League 2. We've got our under-23s reporter Chris McMenemy on the line now to give us an update. Yeah, so the 23s today is playing Aston Villa. It was their 10th game of the season. Um, big win, 1-3-2. They were 2-0 down after 39 minutes, so to win 3-2 is pretty good. It's taken the top of the league as well, so I thought I'd just start with the team news. Um, pretty strong team today. A lack of prelim goals. Cody Jamie, Ollie Casey, Charlie Cresswell, Leif Davis is the back four. Uh, strike in the whole midfield, and then pretty attacking from there. So you have Pablo Hernandez and Sam Greenwood as midfielders, but Really, it's sort of they're two number tens, and then Kama, Bobby Kama playing out right, uh, wide right, sorry, and then Niall Huggins on the left wing, uh, Joe Gelhart up front, and notably on the bench you had uh, Ian Paveda, uh, Tyler Roberts, and Jack Jenkins, who's mostly a 23s player but has been training with the first team quite a lot. Um, Aston Villa had Tom Heaton in goal as 
I'm sure a lot of people know from Burnley and formerly Man United. Um, they had Courtney Hawes, who played for them a lot in the Championship and a bit last year, I think, as well. And uh, Frederick Wheelbear, who they signed from France last year, who is sort of a first-team player, but has been in and out. So a decent lineup in defence for them. Uh, Leeds started pretty well. Uh, Hernandez and Greenwood both went close before Leeds, as seems to run through the club at the minute, got hit in the counter-attack. Uh, 24 minutes, uh, Villa scored. It was pretty easy, go- a cheap goal to give away, I would say. Uh, Laia Capril beaten pretty easily. It was a rainy day. It was a long-range shot, but, I mean, he should be saving it. It's right along the ground. I think he's kind of just palmed it up into the goal. But right after that, Leeds settled right back into it, got on top again, and then about 15 minutes later, it all just seemed to happen at once. Um, Villa hit them on the counter again. Uh, Tariq Wright scored a great goal for them. He cut in on his left foot past Charlie Cresswell, and there was nothing really Caprile could have done about it. And then right after that, Leeds get a corner. Bobby Kamwa uh, gets on the end of it, sort of bounces about in the box. He gets on the end of it. Um, Tom Heaton... It's hard to tell from the TV, but it looks like he kind of just fumbles it off the post and in. And then that's 41 minutes. R- pretty much right after that, they run up the other leads run up from the kickoff and win a penalty for a handball. I was reading that in the Villa piece. They said it was harsh, but I mean, he's sliding across the ground and his hands above head height. And it, it's a penalty. So Greenwood scored that. That's 42 minutes, half time, two each. Um, you definitely would have taken that um, two 0 down. Villa are quite a good. They're quite a good team. They're, they were right below Leeds in the table before this, and it was a game that Leeds probably would have expected to win. But even still, to find yourself two 0 down after thirty nine minutes and be level at half time is good. Uh, half time, they do. They always seem to do make three changes. Uh, Jack Jenkins came on for strike in midfield. Uh, Paveda came on for Davis, which pushed Huggins back to left back, and Dave, uh, Paveda played in the the left wing. Um, Tyler Roberts came on for Pablo and Roberts played as a number nine and Gellhart went back into midfield from the second half Villa started quite brightly for the first 10 minutes and then after that Leeds just took over um, should have taken the lead when Greenwood broke away and he should have passed it to Pavetta but he went himself and stuck it wide right after that Leeds won a penalty 70 minutes Kama, he was brought down on the edge of the box as he was running into the box, and it's kind of hard to tell if it's a free kick or a penalty, but he, he you know, referee gave a penalty, and don't think anyone was arguing, not in the white shirt anyway. Um, Gellhart and Roberts, they argued about who should take it. Eventually, Roberts put the ball down, sent Heat in the wrong way, and the last 20 minutes, it should have been Aston Villa pouring forward, trying to get something out of the game, but Leeds kind of just, they, they, they controlled the game from there. Villa had one chance really worth no, probably not even worth noting um, Leeds had plenty of chances Paveda and Gellhart they were brilliant together um, Paveda on the left, Gellhart playing as sort of a number 10 but he kind of had a bit more of a free roll the, the best chance was actually probably it was the 93rd minute where Leeds broke away and Villa maybe only had two men back and there was nobody catching Paveda, Gellhart got with him um, Paveda played him in, he beat a man and just just stuck it wide. It was quite unlucky. Um, but yeah, it finished 3-2. What I was interested to see pre-match was the um, Joe Gellhart and uh, Pablo Hernandez playing together. I was yeah. interested to see if there was any chemistry between them both because 
you know, we've mentioned on this podcast, and it's been quite quite a topical conversation with the fans about yeah. both players. Uh, very similar in, 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 in the way they play, and potentially yeah. Gellard is, is potentially Pablo Hernandez, you know, understudy or replacement, yeah. perhaps. And, uh, yeah, when I saw them both lining up today, I thought it'd be interesting to see if they, they kind of clicked in any way, really. Yeah, I think Pablo really bossed the game in the first half. Like he was not like like that annoying kid at school. Like every time the ball, every time there's a free kick or a throw in, or the ball is in the middle of the pitch, it was Hernandez is there waving his arms, takes the ball, and sort of controlled the game. Gelhart, he kind of, I wouldn't say he struggled to get involved in the first half. I just don't think they gave him the ball enough. There was one time where Hernandez laid it off for him, and he beat two players. I have no idea how, and then. Uh, had a good shot and Heaton made a really good save, good strong hand and, and got it away. But apart from that, there wasn't much between the two of them. Um, Hernandez and Greenwood, I thought they linked up quite well. So, you know, because Jack Jenkins is the only real central midfielder in the 23s at the minute, uh, Greenwood sort of stepped in last minute before the West Brom game and played. He was all right that day, but he was really good today. The two of them together were, were really good in the first half and then Gellhart dropped in to where Hernandez was playing in the second half and Greenwood and Gellhart played brilliantly together. It's a pretty high risk attacking strategy, but you know, we're used to it by now. But like it's not two central midfielders at all. It's it's basically two number tens. And it's like something you would see in FIFA more than you would see in, in real football. But uh it worked really well. Um although for yeah, for Gellhart and Hernandez not much to talk about between the two of them. I think over ninety minutes you probably would have seen a fair bit more. But uh, yeah, only that one real moment of note. That was quite good. So that, that wins put Leeds at the top of the table then. One game left now to the end of the year. Yeah, Fulham at home next week. Uh, yeah. It was Fulham, it was Middlesbrough second. Now it was Fulham that beat them on Friday, but Fulham hadn't really been playing that well, so I'm not really sure what's happened there. The last, the, well, sorry, the first time I spoke about the, the 23s on here, we, I was saying that it didn't really look like the 23s would be. Uh, it would be more in the chasing pack coming to this part of the year, but Middlesbrough have lost their last two. Leeds have played very well. They've won, they've won their two games, and they're top by three points, and they should really be looking to win that game uh, next Monday. I'd say you'll probably see whoever doesn't come off the bench against Man United next weekend from the first team will probably play in that game because there's no more games until the 27th. But that's the last game of the year until uh, the 11th of January. So it'll be a big opportunity for needs to go into the end of the year, top of the league in a new division. You just reminded me, do you want to promote your Twitter account then that you've got, Chris? You're more uh, than happy yeah. to do it, mate. Um, yeah, it's the modern game. I've been using it for the under-23s games. I've been doing bits and pieces, match reviews and stuff like that, but I'll be, anytime the 23s are playing, I'll be live-tweeting off that. So if anyone's not watching the That's game right. and just wants to keep up with what's happening, at the underscore modern game. Hi guys, Michael Bridges here. When I'm lying in Australia on a nice sandy beach watching the sharks and the jellyfish come ashore, I like nothing better than reading and listening to writeinthegarykellys.com. So we've got a new section for you now to enjoy. Most news summaries are about 90 seconds long, but we could only afford a 40-second theme song. So here we go. Here is your Leeds United news in 40 seconds. This week marked the 23 anniversary of the great Billy Bremner's death. Both of the club's new defenders, Robin Koch and Diego Llorente, both picked up injuries against Chelsea and are on the sideline now for some time. 
More sad news is our former player and former Argentinian manager, Alejandro Sabella, sadly passed away at the tender age of 66. News of the return of the Lion, Gaetano Berardi, is imminent early in the new year. Faith's legacy continued as he announced his Leeds team in advance ahead of West Ham. And finally, we suffered another defeat against West Ham on Friday to leave us all depressed this weekend. <laughs> and that's your Leeds United else. news in 40 seconds. <laughs> Looking forward to listening to that. Oh, God, I'm not. I think it's safe to say that we um, should all stick with the day job. <laughs> not sure we're going to be competing for newsreader of the year anytime soon but that is your Leeds United news in 40 seconds oh my god I can't even say 40 seconds <laughs> I feel a bit embarrassed because I did journalism at university so I should be Don't good at die, it mate. We're just three weeks out from the January transfer window now and given the past couple of results I think fans are expecting Andrea to put his hands in his pockets again. Um, despite investing around the £100 million mark in the summer it does seem that we're still light in some areas so if you guys could bring in two or three players this window who would you be looking at or which position positions do you think need to be bolstered? Any left back or any defender over the height of six foot I would say. And obviously DePaul is someone that we've all been hoping for since the last transfer window. And I keep seeing rumours about that on Twitter that we're still interested in him. So hopefully something will come from that because I think he'd be a great addition to our team. Or even someone like Todd Cantwell from Norwich, but I'm not sure how cheap we get him for. Young British players are quite expensive now. He's a bit of a wet wipe, is Todd Cantwell. You know? He did some at I saw his Instagram story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he like <laughs> whining. <laughs> we don't want anything, anyone like that. Lewis Cook, throw Lewis Cook out there. I'd love Lewis. Nah. Cook. I'd love to Lewis bring him back. Rodrigo de Paul. Obviously, the calendar will look good for next mm. year with Rodrigo de Paul. But I think um, I just I've always loved Lewis Cook. I think he's such a good player for us. He's been so unlucky with injuries. Starting to get a bit of form again. Bournemouth in the Championship. Agree with Kaylee as well. Garden left back. God knows. Name me a decent left-back available at the moment. There ain't many. So I think it's a rule everyone's struggled with, hasn't it? Everyone's yeah. struggled with that rule. If Lucy were here, she'd just say Alioski. <laughs> <laughs> There's no point in asking Dan. He'll say Pontus. <laughs> yeah, bring Pontus back to those set pieces. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I would like a central midfielder. Um, but I guess if we keep everyone fit... And if Adam Forshaw fits his glass hip, then, you know, we'll be a bit, you know, congested in that area. So I think, I don't know if we will invest, you know, but I think we probably should. But, you know, you just listen to what Bielsa says on press conferences as well. You know, he'll start reeling off the amount of players that he's got, you know, in each position. And, you know, he'll say that he's got like three three or four people that can play left back um, and four or five people that can play centre mid. So I think it's going to be up to the board, I think, if we go out and sign people. But, yeah, I think it would be... I think those. I think you've nailed the two positions that we need. Um, but whether we go out and get something, January is notoriously hard to do business, isn't it? So, um, and, you know, historically, we've not done much good business in January. Um, I think of January, I just think of 
Habib Habibu now. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Cabe. Oh, yeah. Oh, we've done some Dan good James. ones. True quality. Dan James. Yeah, Doug Dan James. Bad. We didn't oh, even Dan do James. that one. <laughs> just there. I still uh, think uh, weirdly it would be a bad addition to our team. No. I'd still be rooting for that need him, though, I don't think, do we? Yeah. What about up front? Because should Bamford, God forbid, get injured, what, what do we do? What's our choice in replacing him? Do we stick Rodrigo up front? Is that when Roberts comes in? We've got Gellert in the obviously in the under 23s teams. Like what do you think the response would be should Bamford get injured? That's a good Gellert a chance. I don't think Roberts has got it in him for the Premier League. I think we'd do well to learn him off maybe to a championship side in January transfer window with Tyler Roberts. So yeah, as they put Geld out there or even yeah, Rodrigo would be my first choice. Maybe I'd get Rodrigo up front. I mean, we signed him as a striker, surely. So obviously I appreciate Bamford's in good form at the minute. You know, there's no way he's getting in over Bamford. And, you know, Rodrigo's done all right behind Bamford, but surely say Bamford did get injured. To me, logical move is put Rodrigo up front and maybe bring Hernandez in into his natural position. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want Tyler Roberts to be like our second striker as such. Like, I know there's a lot of Roberts bashing going on here, but, you know, I think we're just going off form more than anything. Um, you know, Roberts isn't in great form at the minute. So, um, for me, it would be Rodrigo. I agree. I agree with the guys. I think, Dan, you touched upon it earlier with the left-back issue. Bielsa will reel out four or five players that potentially could fill in at left-back. And like the guys said, you've got got that here up up top. We all think we're short, but we're not really. You've got Greenwood, Gellart, Roberts. I agree with Kayleigh. We spoke about it before. He definitely, I feel he needs a season out. He definitely needs a season out in the Championship. He's always had injuries this time at Leeds, so he's never really consecutive had a lot of games. And he needs that. And yeah. Chris mentioned it in the under-23 games today where he took the ball off Gellart for the penalty and there was a little bit of a, um, not a heated discussion, but obviously a discussion about who should take it. And yeah, get him out, you know, get him playing, let him show him what he's, we think he's capable of. And yeah, Rodrigo, definitely out there to play um, and replace Bamford if, if he's injured. And you, you feel if... Rodrigo gets a good run of games up top and bags a few goals, then it might be hard to to kind of move him off that position because I felt at times against West Ham, he looked out of position to me as well. He looked he looked uncomfortable, I felt at times as well. You know, when you watch Spain, he's leading the line, isn't he? You watch him against West Ham and he's playing defensive midfield <laughs> at times. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, but... And and the guys have said January is traditionally a very very difficult window to to buy, and you're probably right. Dan James will probably rock up on loan. <laughs> we touched on Tyler Roberts potentially going out on loan there. I think we kind of forget how young he is as well. And you know, at this stage of his career, he probably he does want to be starting every match. So I think it would make sense if he did go out to a Championship side. Aside from him, is there anyone else you're expecting to maybe rumours of, or even eventually actually leave the club? on loan are permanently in the window? There's an awful room, isn't there, circulating at the moment, involving Hernandez, which I'm guessing we all may have seen. To town, yeah. Yeah, so fingers crossed that one doesn't come true. So that's the only one transfer rumour I keep hearing about, which I really, really hope does not happen. I feel like a town fan has died, that rumour. <laughs> yeah, it's just come out of nowhere, really, hasn't it? It's 
Just seems strange, but obviously stranger things have happened in football. But yeah, I really, really hope that doesn't come true. I think it'd be good to probably get Kiko Casilla off the wage bill now as well. I think Meslier's yeah. pretty much nailed down yeah. the number one spot. Like, about 50, I don't think there's a, a week. Yeah, I don't think there's a future for him here now, is there? So uh, whether they whether he'll be able to go anywhere on January, it's probably going to be alone, isn't it? But I think Leeds need to be trying to cut ties with him. I think. Yeah, he wasn't even on the bench today for the under-23s or even started, which is the first thing I look for, actually, to see if Kiko was a, was around. So you, you're right, he's surplus to requirements, you would think now, especially with Meslier's performances of late as well. Is there a, a question, potentially, that we look at a slightly more experienced keeper as a backup for Meslier in the window? Because obviously he's not going to lose his starting position, you wouldn't imagine, but with the likes of Kiko probably hopefully moving on you could probably use someone that's got a bit more experience just to to learn I from looking back now at the time I kind of laughed at it a bit but actually I do hope probably would have been quite a good signing for us big lot of experience yeah. and probably not expecting first team football because it's hard to the attracted experienced Premier League goalkeeper with offering them a bench spot so yeah actually I think he probably would have been a good signing looking back now at the time I laughed it off but yeah I'm happy to keep my word with that one so we're delighted to be joined by Nick Hodgson, drummer, songwriter and former Kaiser Chief. Thanks so much for joining us, Nick. How are you doing? Well, great, mate. Well, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. I've been trying to get you for a while, actually. Um, but yeah, probably not best time to have you on, really, after Friday, but... Friday, 8 o'clock, has got the potential to either make or break your weekend, hasn't it? And then I always try and switch off as much as possible. So when I saw your message Saturday morning, um, I was then forced to, wa- to watch the entire, of uh, all of the match of the day, just so I could have a little recap of the game and everything. <laughs> so, and, uh, so normally what I do, what I do if we lose, I wouldn't watch, like even, you know, the last few years or whenever, I just wouldn't, like, look at LUFC Twitter, just ignore it. I don't like to get involved in the, in the, um, you know, the slagging off and all that. So I don't know what people say online, but what I think is just that we did look a bit tired. I thought, and we did look. I mean, obviously the set pieces. The one positive I can get about, um, I can take out of it for the, um, the set pieces thing is that uh, at least they know what to do in training. You know what I mean. They know what to work on. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you'd hope so. What's that? Conceding gro- goals. Grotola. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't know. I mean, I hear a lot of people talking about the the man to man and the zonal marking, which to me, I, I just I don't have that kind of depth of of knowledge, the tactical game. But uh, what I would say is, I don't know. They need to change it up a bit. Yeah, we were just saying that. I think there's a big struggle and we just we were trying to come up with some ideas on what we could do differently but I think apart from sticking everyone in a growth bag we can't really think of anything can we (laughs) we just don't seem to have many good headers of the ball at the minute especially when once if Lorente and Cock are out which they are so a bit of a struggle isn't it yeah Nick uh, Dan thinks Pontus could be the answer (laughs) yeah I'm rolling back a few years I mean I wouldn't uh... (laughs) Do you know what? God, that makes me think, actually. Maybe he is. 
But um, what about in the under-23s? Is there anybody there that can uh, that's tall? We can bring on just for set pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Going to have to start I mean, making cuts. Strike Stroke's yeah. six foot three, isn't he? Is it? So, I mean, that might mm-hmm. be the answer if that's we're up against tall. a tall team. Mm-hmm. How tall is Varadi? That's actually it. <laughs> about five foot six. He's yeah, about seven <laughs> foot when he jumps, though, ain't he? So, <laughs> do we know is it February? Varadi's back. It's looking that way. But then, obviously, match fitness is probably not yeah. going to be till next season, is it? And what happened to Lorente then? I mean, was it just too early for him to play? And he, he played and it was. He just yeah, got I think he's picked up a knock. Right. Oh, in training or in the game? I think it was in the game, wasn't it? I think you're right. It was probably just. He, he played too soon. And obviously, he pretty much played the whole match against Chelsea. It was fairly demanding, wasn't it? Some are saying Giroud ended yeah. his career. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> no. expensive one game. <laughs> what do you think in general, Nick, then this season? How do you think we've we've done? Um, well it's, so at the beginning of the season I was thinking, well, we're gonna win. We're gonna win this. Uh, and then I thought, well, we'll get top four. And now I'm looking at now I'm looking at games like Burnley, Arsenal, and uh, and and I'm looking at um, it's ridiculous because it's it's we've only been playing eleven or uh, twelve games, but you know I'm thinking seventeenth. Uh, I want to I want to finish ten or above, but I kind of be happy with seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, um, because it looks it's a tough it's going to be a tough season, something that we haven't we haven't experienced this. Well, obviously in the championship it's not like this, but. Um, it does feel like it's starting to. Okay, we're in the Premier League now. At first, it was like, watch us go. Look, we're going crazy and scoring loads of goals and conceding loads of goals. And everyone was talking about us. And on match of the day, it was like, we it's so good to have Leeds back and everything. And now on match of the day, yeah, last night, they weren't talking about it. They just went, oh, they need to work on the set pieces tonight. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it's gone a little bit, you know, I don't know. It's just we, lost we, that little bit of excitement. But not excitement. The excitement's always there. What it's lost is that kind of showbiz factor. We are scoring goals and going crazy and watches play. And now it's a little bit like every game's dead nervy now. Everyone were talking about us with it leads with their second favourite team. Yeah. And it's like that whole new period's over now. Like you said, it's just like, yep, yeah, leads are crap at set pieces. Let's move on to the next game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I couldn't believe there was last night. There was just nothing on the, after the game. Um, it was just a good night. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously dead confident because that's just the way it is. I can't wait for the next game. Do you know what I mean? And um, uh, it kind of is my weekend at the moment, especially you know because of lockdown and all that. So I could do with a win, like all of us. But. Um, we shall see. And I do believe in the in, in Bielsa we trust and people say it, but then they actually don't. And I do. And so I do. I just, obviously, he knows everything. We were kind of chatting and saying that um, we could really have done with fans being back in the ground on Friday. Like that could have okay. been a bit of a yeah, yeah. Make, make or break around the hour mark. What do you think about yeah, how much I mean... of a difference it'll make when we're back? Um, well, I hope, yeah, I mean, I hope it's going to be uh, amazing. I just know, I think 
having been in the championship in the league one, when it gets, you know, that kind of when Ellen Road becomes a, a real pressure part and it, it gets like a little bit, you know, because we've been so desperate over the last few years that the atmosphere in the crowd hasn't helped the players at some points, I think, where mm-hmm. it gets really toxic and, and nasty, really. And because we're so desperate, because we're passionate, we want it so much. Now, I don't know whether that's going to be like that in the Premier League because we finally got out of the lower leagues. We're finally out of that. I think we're going to enjoy it more. And obviously, we get behind the team because we always do. But uh, I think in situations where we've been losing over the last few years, it has been like, I don't know, what's that, that pressure pot feeling where I don't know whether it translates well onto the players, you know what I mean? But um, I think in the Premier League, I think it will be different. I hope so, anyway. Hopefully so we'll see soon. So what do you think? Um about the crowds, yeah. I mean, I think it'd be amazing. I think it. What's like, your thoughts you, on that? You're probably quite right in that when things aren't quite going our way, it can often bubble over a little bit. But I think potentially because we are out of the championship now, that the expectation's yeah. different, isn't it? Like, there's obviously still expectation for us to be successful, but the objective is different. So there's not quite as much pressure. Yeah, yeah. I just can't imagine it now. It seems so weird. I was at that last game in March. Huddersfield. Yeah, and it was really weird because everyone was like talking about this virus, you know, like going, like almost laughing, and like how we can't shake hands, and we were, you know, doing the elbows and laughing about it, (laughs) and uh, and that was the last time we were there. Yeah, it seems like a long time ago now. I mean, you'd like to think that we'd enjoy it more, like we'd appreciate it more, and the fans that do get the opportunity to go will. We'll make the most of it and enjoy every second. But I think you soon fall into old habits of shouting and swearing and chanting and everything else that comes with being in the crowd. (laughs) Moving on then. So what have you been up to then? Um, Well, what I do, like normal things, is uh, produce and songwrite with other artists. And um, so this year has been obviously kind of different because uh, it's hard to do stuff face-to-face. I did some writing sessions with people um, on Zoom and FaceTime, but it's okay. Um, so it's been a bit bit funny, but uh, so basically I spent the last couple of months just finding new music, really, like um, trying to look for new artists, new bands, especially bands, actually. I've got a real, I've got a real, um, I'm kind of feeling really motivated to get bands back into the world of, I don't know, the world of music again at the moment because mm. they are suffering and um, someone's got to do something. So I've got, I've got time on my hands. I'm, I've been searching for bands. I found, I found a couple of good things and I'm working with some people next year. I'm working with some uh, various artists next year, well, in January. And um, I've also found myself in a, a new band as well by mistake. <laughs> which is just, just a kind of lockdown. I got some friends nearby where I live, and uh, we just decided to play because recording studios are open. And so I have a studio and uh, just been like jamming with some guys and making some music. And it's actually sounding really good. 
and now I've got that dilemma of what to do. Like, are we going to be a band anyway? <laughs> so we'll keep a look out for that. Thanks. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's uh, yeah, we'll put something out. It's good. Any future stars that you can give us a heads up on? Stars. I've worked with a guy called Alfie Templeman who is um, doing very well. He's actually on the sounds of uh, 2021, uh, mm. the BBC thing. He's on that. So he's good. Um, do, 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 do. A band called The Academic from Ireland, who I really like. Um, there's a band called Priestgate, who I really like, from Hull or near Hull Driffield. Mm. Um, who else? It's probably loads. I, I spend a lot of time looking at new people, like new music, and um, oh, Yard Act. There's one from Leeds as well. Brilliant. Check them out. I'm writing all of these down. Yeah, yeah, get them a note. <laughs> going to say as soon as we can get back to music venues in Leeds as well as sport I think it'd be brilliant so yeah. many good venues in Leeds to go and watch gigs and stuff so I can't I can't wait for it personally I think it'll have a change in in in, the, in gig culture really in the way that bands mm. do their sets you know what I mean I've been yeah. talking to a few bands and saying like I don't think people will want slow songs when you when they get back into the venue <laughs> you know what I, mean? I don't think they'll want the big seven minute epic I think they'll want some it might change stuff happens, hopefully, just want yeah. something to jump around to won't yeah, they just energy, go mad. Yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah nick I really think... can i ask you a question sure you played ellen road didn't you yes how was that, that? Was... well for me it, it was unbelievable it really was unbelievable it was in the uh 15 point was it it's in the 15 point season 2008 2008 seven, yeah seven, it would have been um so we had a mad season. It was brilliant. And we were in the playoff final, which was the day after a gig. So it was, uh, oh, I'm getting chills thinking about it. It really was amazing. We came on stage and I, uh, like, so when, because I, I used to sing backing vocals to all the, all the songs, like with, I used to sort of sing all the way through the songs. And the first two songs, I remember not being able to, like, you know when you get choked and you can't say anything and I was like that I was choked I couldn't sing I could drum though I was still drumming don't worry about that and uh, <laughs> and it was um, it was amazing it really was it was like 40,000 people and it was only like a, maybe three years after we played like Joseph's Well or something it was mm. yeah it was mad it was mad because you played obviously it was on the pitch wasn't it so you had the stands the pitch the fans it was a mental mental show and i can imagine as a as a lifelong leeds fan god that's a pinnacle isn't it absolute pinnacle it did feel a bit like um there was a little thought of i remember doing this enemy interview and they were like what now and i was like i don't know because there's not i suppose i i think if i was thinking about it now i'd be but at the time, I was just like, I don't really know. I think um, I can't see what to do now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. You've met it. <laughs> it's like yeah. um, Josh Warrington. Was... Yeah, yeah. It's like when Josh had a fight at Ellen Road. You know, massive. Even now, he still says it's the best fight he's ever had. And as a lifelong Leeds fan as well. Yeah. It's good. 
because I remember being in the rehearsal room and saying that we wanted to play all these venues and like that was one of the venues like when we were you know unsigned a long time before and aiming at these things and aiming at Ellen Road and then we didn't have anywhere else after that or maybe Wembley we never played Wembley Stadium Hi I'm Don Matteo there's nothing more than I like doing when I'm sat in the rock bar listening and writing to the GaryKelly.com Right in the gun. <laughs> you can edit that, can't you? So we're going to wrap up with a little bit of fun. I'm going to give you up to five clues and you have to guess the person that has some historical connection to Leeds United. And when you think you know the answer, you just need to buzz in. Before we get going, let's try out those all-important buzzers. Matt, this is yours. Super duper, Liam Cooper. Dan, this is yours. And Kaylee, this is yours. What a day to be alive. Oh, me. So. Clue number one. As well as Leeds United, this person has also played for Carlisle and Reading. Oh, Matt. he's going in. Oh, Matt. Dan Ian went, Dan went Matt. in there. Matt. <laughs> Super duper, Liam Cooper. Dan's in there after one and he's got it right. <laughs> Matt. Matt. Oh, oh, oh. Jesus. <laughs> <I cannot>. <laughs> <laughs> Smashed it after was, one. You are I was going correct. to say Michael Bridges at first. He played for Carlisle, but then I remembered, no, he's not played for, what do you call it? Was it Reading? So, yeah. yeah. He doesn't so, even I mean, know yeah, he's a club, he's cheated. He doesn't even know he's, <laughs> he's, club, he's He's Googled in that split second. Ex-Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> we should have a rule. No, we? We should have no, we can well. type that quickly. How about the rule is, Vicky, don't put the clues in the script. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, just to confirm this, the I guys didn't aren't cheat. even looking at the script. I mean, the extra two clues that I was going to give you, the second clue was after retiring from football, he went in to, on to become a football agent. So I feel like that would have probably got you over the line anyway. And then clue three was the giveaway, which is that this player is the best known for scoring an abundance of goals from set pieces Oh, that'd be nice with his left foot. Oh, we were on about left backs, weren't we, earlier? The last time we had a good left back, that's why. He was my favourite player growing up. And what about Stephen Warnock? I thought he was decent at left back. Remember that goal at Yeovil? Yeah, that was a fluke. That was the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Hart, though, I used to have a picture, like a passport-sized picture of him in my purse when I was at school. <laughs> That's actually true. Ian, if you're listening and want to come on the podcast, we've got your number one stalker. No word of a lie. I used to know everything about him, like his birthday, where he was born. It's happening. Thank you so much for joining us on our 10th show today. And a big thanks to Nick Hodgson for joining us too. We're going to finish off with a tribute to our greatest ever player and, of course, captain that our beloved football club has ever had. Gone but not forgotten, the great Billy Bramner. 
Network.